Welcome to Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. I'm Sam. On today's episode, we'll be chatting all about private practice season four, episode 22, To Change the Things I Can, written by Craig Turk, Steve Blackman, and Deborah Kahn, and directed by Mark Tinker. It aired on May 19th, 2011. Enjoy! Today, my co-host is someone you already know and love. He is a New York City-based actor with an extraordinary passion for Dr. Violet Turner and Linda Muggleston, who has never been late for anything except his own birth. It's former BHAB full-time co-host Jackson Klein. Hello, I'm back for one night only. Woo-woo! Ah, nice to be here. First time on the microphone <laughs> in a while. Woo. I know! I'm taking a hiatus. Mm-hmm. How have you been? I mean, I know, but do you want to fill the listeners in on just, like, personal, professional stuff? Sure. I've been well, living the dream in New York, New York. Professionally, I starred in The Importance of Being Earnest off-Broadway for about six months. Sure Did a couple did. other small plays, some audiobooks. So I've been around. I made my on-stage 54 Below debut after producing a concert with the Ensemblist several years ago. I played the gay elf from Rudolph in a Christmas concert. Very fun. Mm -hmm. Still enjoying New York. Spent a lot of time outside now that it's getting warmer. Hanging out at the pier, going on walks. I've been checking out, you know, new museums and whatnot that I haven't been around to. I just went to the Intrepid yesterday for the first time. Oh, that was right by my apartment. It's huge. And yeah, you know that when you look at it, but it's like deceptive. Your feet hurt so bad at the end, but it's also like not the most foot-friendly material to walk on. <laughs> um, but it was really cool to see. I'm not so into the wartime stuff, the planes and whatnot, but seeing the living quarters, the bedrooms, where they cooked, where they ate was so cool. There were so many employees on board the ship that it took extraordinary amounts of food to feed them. They had dessert every day since it was so tough. They always wanted to make sure they had a nice reward to look forward to. Yeah. In one example, they gave the recipe for peach cobbler. Guess how many pounds of peaches it took to make peach cobbler for one round of dessert? Ooh. 700 pounds? 675. You were right I was on so the money. Close. So close. Isn't yes. that wild? I was just gagged by that. Yeah. But that's that's what I've been up to. Amazing. Yeah. When I was living in New York at the height of Le COVID, I would go on my walks and my apartment was so close to the Intrepid that I would always like walk west to the water because there's like that path and those mm -hmm. piers, which is near your house I love now. those piers. Yeah. So I would just go on a walk or a run all the way down to Chelsea or meatpacking and then back up. And often, because, you know, I still thought, I mean, I knew it was going to be a long time until things got back to quote unquote normal, but I didn't think it was going to be this long. I would do a ballet bar, very embarrassingly, but like no one was in the city. I would do a ballet bar on the rails, like looking at the Intrepid. Like I would just like. Oh my God, I love there. that. I wouldn't do a full one, like no like grand jeté. Just a little like bit. That. Just like a stretch and just like a little plie. Yeah. And it, plus, it just kind of looked like I was stretching after a run, so I was like a real athletic person. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so what else are you reading and are watching right now? So at the moment, not much other than, of course, Grey's Anatomy, Station 19, two phase. We'll get to that. Especially yeah. enjoying Station 19 right now. I actually have the past few years. That's been a favorite of mine. I recently listened to the audiobook of 
spoiler alert, the hero dies at the end by entertainment journalist Michael Osiello. It was also turned into a film recently, which I saw first and inspired me to read this memoir. It chronicles his relationship with his now deceased husband, Kit Cowan, specifically focusing on the final 11 months of Kit's life from his cancer diagnosis through his death. And of course, it's very sad. um, But since you're getting a picture of their whole relationship, it's also very uplifting at times. It's funny. And I think Michael Osiello does such a nice job of really getting into the raw, messy details of what it's like to go through such a tragic experience like that, um, that I feel like a lot of similar accounts, especially in fiction, um, less so nonfiction, leave out. Mm -hmm. Even the Mm -hmm. film wasn't quite as raw. Um, It was a great film, but not as raw as the book. And I was just so engrossed from start to finish, loved every second. I wept. I laughed out loud. Highly recommend. I also, in other entertainment, have been into the Broadway musical Kimberly Akimbo, now playing yes. at the Booth Theater. It is, again, a, you know, kind of sad story. It's about a 16-year-old girl with an aging disease. So she has the body of a woman in her 70s, played by renowned actress Victoria Clark is about to die, right? It's She's reached her life expectancy of 16, and she's trying to find joy in one last great adventure after having a not-so-great family life, not a lot of friends, trying to have a fresh start in this new town as she reaches the end of her life. And again, also very funny and uplifting at times, but sad as well. I was particularly struck by Ali Mozzie's performance as her deadbeat mother, who loves her but doesn't know how to show it at all. So you get these moments where you see her heart behind it, but then you see what a messy mother she is as well. And it's so layered and tragic, funny, and it just is so layered. I loved every second of her performance and the show as a whole. Highly recommend. I've heard some really, really good things about that. Yeah. I think it's a front runner for a lot of Tonys right now. So yeah. hopefully it'll have a nice life. Yes, I've been hearing that as well. The Booth is one of my favorite theaters as well. Mine too. It's so intimate, but yeah. also big enough for a medium-sized musical to play. Yes. Yeah. I saw Next to Normal there, and Next to Normal was one of my founding musicals, I should say. Not like in, as in the first one that I loved, obviously, because it was it, it was a very important musical to me in high school, basically. Me too. Yes. So where can we find you online? You can find me online in so many places. First, my website is jacksoncline.com, nice and simple. And then all of my social media handles are different. I know you're supposed to be consistent, and I know all the social media people are going to get mad at me. But my Instagram, where I'm most active, is at all.that.jax. At all that jax was taken by a person who called herself a classy dame in her bio, so I couldn't even think of buying that from her um so all dot that dot jacks my facebook page is facebook.com slash the jackson klein and my twitter which i don't really post on much but every once in a while is at jackson d klein and i think that's everywhere i am i don't do tiktok um i'm samantha g harris on instagram which is like what i do i don't even know what i am on facebook i think i looked it up before Oh, yeah. I'm just my first and last name. And then on TikTok, I started it when it was just for the children. And so I was something like very AIM, like not me at all. And then I switched it when it was more for 
other people, like more for all people. But I still didn't want it to match my Instagram because the content is not consistent. Right. Yeah. So I think it's underscore period SGH period underscore. Nice. We'll have to confirm that. (laughs) Yeah. But also, yeah, if if you're listening to this and you can follow me, great. I don't know if you'll be happy with what you see. It's really just like videos of my dog and like the occasional BHAB trendy thing that I put up. (laughs) (laughs) So Addison has been back in Seattle for a few weeks now. Yes, she has. Yes. So before we get into all of that, I was listening to the on-call room while I was Mm -hmm. getting ready this morning. And they're beyond this now. I'm like a bit behind because I've been so busy. But they're covering Jackson's goodbye episode. And every time they would say his name, I thought that they were reminding me to get ready for this recording with you. And I was like, (laughs) I know. I was like, I'm making my coffee. I know. Like I'm uh, brushing my teeth. Like I get it, guys. <laughs> so I just needed to because we always talked about how you and Jackson had the same name, but like how you're so different. And we're the only people over the age of twenty with that name. Yeah. Basically. Over the age of twenty and under the age of eighty. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I saw so, Jesse Williams in Take Me Out last year. He was actually Oh, you did? Yeah, I really enjoyed his performance. Melissa did as well. I wish I could have. You're a West Coaster. I am. I know. My my old roommate was like, oh, so you went to the dark side. And I was like, I'm pretty sure it's the sunny side, but okay. In our last episode with Margot, I talked about how if they hurt Addison, I might have to start. I might have to stop watching Grey's Anatomy. Mm -hmm. But the more I was thinking about it, it was her time for something to happen. And she really didn't get hit by that car. She no. really did not. It like clipped her hand. It it didn't. Yeah, I thought the way she landed was a little dramatic. Yeah, and of course, for pushing somebody out of the way. Like, sure, yeah. she might have like fallen, but you know, splayed out with her limbs like that was it, a little, yeah. little unrealistic. I thought for oh my god, how she had been hit. Yeah, so she hasn't had anything happen to her, right? Like I don't even think going. So. All the way back to the bomb episode, she wasn't involved. She was just worried about Derek. The fairy episode, she wasn't involved. She was with people when bad things happened to them. I mean, of course, like, she's lost her mom. Her brother had those brain-eating whatevers. Right. But she wasn't at the shooting. She wasn't at the plane crash. She wasn't in the car crash with Del and Maya. Like she, to this point in our watching of private practice, nothing has happened that physically traumatic to her. And of course, I mean, that is my privilege with her being my comfort character is like not having to see her go through that so far. And of course, she has other things, right? Like all of this drama with Naomi and Sam and her fertility journey and all of that. And I don't know. It was time. And now I kind of feel cheated that, not that I want her to get hurt because I obviously do not, but it was time for something to happen to her. And I almost wish we would have been left in suspense a little bit longer. Yeah. I also think in the current era of Grey's Anatomy, it's less likely that something that dramatic would happen to her. 
considering they don't really we know they're not going to kill any principal characters anymore they might yeah, get right hurt, now but they're not going to die who knows in the era of meg marina starting next year but in christopher land that's not going to happen Exactly. But okay, so what I was texting you about in real life was because we know that her hand touched the car because we have our beautiful sleuths who screenshotted the picture of like her pinky finger touching the mirror of the car. <laughs> like she's she's not she wasn't. So I was like, oh, we're going to have like a surgical hand issue like we did mm. all of Burke in season two, three a la Derek and Link says like one sentence about it and I was like oh we're gonna get it we're gonna get it and then she drives off now she may be back I would be fine with that but I don't know I, I thought maybe she would hit her head on the concrete and then Amelia would have to do surgery or Tom would have to come back because Amelia couldn't even though Amelia could definitely do it but yeah would have been nice to have a little something yeah I really wanted more Amelia scenes I really want Addison to meet Kai I hope that happens soon. And while you're here, can we talk about the Maggie exit? Oh, yes. Maggie's leaving in what, two weeks? Yeah. Something like that. I, Amelia needs an adult human to be her support system. Mm -hmm. Link is obviously not it. Maggie's gone. Meredith's gone. Kai is there like once every six episodes. Right. And she's going to need somebody other than Kai as well. You know, you can't. Exactly. Your lover. Yeah. And Scout is like one year old. Right. <laughs> and, and leaning on your child for emotional support maybe isn't the healthiest thing. Mm-mm. I don't know. I'm trying to think of other adult characters on the show that she has like anything, any sort of close relationship. Joe, does she have anything with Joe? She's had some moments with Teddy. Mm-hmm. She's had, like, a conversation with Joe, but the whole, like, Joe-Link of it all, yeah. I feel like is going to make it really complicated. She's had some moments with Teddy, like, when Teddy was having her baby, she was there. And – but then the Owen of it all kind of makes it a little right. complicated. So, I don't know. I mean, I am always and forever here for them bringing a private practice character into Grey's Anatomy. But I am just saying, Charlotte being introduced as a character – I wouldn't be mad. No, I would love that. What about Dr. Bailey? I would love that. Especially because, I mean, we all know how I feel about Bailey and Allison together. Oh, my God. Allison. I said Allison because we're talking about Teddy. I meant Bailey and Addison's relationship, Mm -hmm. which, oh, my goodness, that scene in the supply closet really, really got me. So good. (sighs) But, yeah, I mean, Bailey could be it. And they had a little bit of a thing, right? When they were both pregnant at the same time. Right. And a little bit of Richard, right? With uh-huh. with the, you know, support with addictions. Absolutely. But still, I mean It's not that same sister relationship. Yeah. Yeah. We've always had Amelia with either Addison or Meredith and Maggie. Right. So yeah. Just putting that out there. Do you have any further thoughts on Addison's Grey's Anatomy return? Not really, no. I enjoyed it. It was nice to see her. I thought it was a nice meaty episode for her. It was cool to see, to avoid spoilers, what she's been up to since. Yeah. Yeah. Since private practice ended. Oh, that. Yes. (laughs) 
years ago when it was first when she had her first reappearance years ago meaning like a year and a half ago my god I was so worried that I had like spent these like two years of my life working on this podcast with those spoilers and they were gonna bring spoiler thingies into Grey's thankfully there had just been like a few sentences that if you don't know you don't know and also they're not like huge I mean I guess they're huge for her life but they're not like it's not like it spoils everything that happens, you know? Like, yeah. there's still a lot of journey to get there that's not spoiled. Yes, exactly. So let's go to our patient breakdown. All right. There's a lot going on in this episode. Yeah. So we have first notes and miscellaneous per usual. And then in the Gray's Wiki, which we know is an authentic source... It says Addison Forbes Montgomery with depression. Now, she herself says that she does not have depression. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say she doesn't have depression. So although it says Addison Forbes Montgomery with depression, I'm just going to have her in there as a plot point, right? Right. She's She's more just a talk therapy patient. Exactly. Talk therapy. Yes. So then we have Caitlin Mills with blunt trauma and kidney injury. So that's going to be a content warning for Charlotte's assault. We're going to have that in the show notes as well. So just please take care listening to that section. We have Marissa Windsor with juvenile Crabbe's disease, seizure, and severe allergic reaction. And then we have Angela and Jason Windsor who have talk therapy with Sheldon, and those are going to be in the same bullet point. Pete Wilder with myocardial infarction, which I only have a few notes on. Amelia's addiction. And then something that I am proud of naming, the not-so-private practice. Uh I love that. (laughs) Because it's true. Yes. I don't have a section on Naomi's stuff. I put that all in miscellaneous. Cool. Do you feel that you have enough to make it its own section? It can be. We can put all of Naomi together in the miscellaneous section. Amazing. Okay. That's kind of how I felt too. All right, Sam. Shall we dive in? What are your first notes? Before we get to the actual Addison section, this is just like a touch. The disappearing Sam in the bed. I love Mark Tinker episodes. He, in like, in the beginning montage when she's laying there imagining Sam there and Mm -hmm. he, like, appears and disappears. I love that. I love it. And then Addison says to her therapist, when is my life going to change? And the therapist says, when you make it change. Felt that. Feeling it. Loving that. Mm -hmm. And she embraces it with her favorite quote in the episode, let's make a change. Let's make a change. And it goes with the, yeah, it goes with the title of the episode. It does. Yeah, to change the things I can. And she is changing the things that she can. Absolutely. On to Addison Forbes Montgomery. Before even asking for your notes, I really just want to give my girl, Addie, a giant pat on the back for going to therapy with someone Outside of her own office, outside of her circle of friends, to a non-biased individual. Woo! 
Thank goodness. She could have been in there with oh my girl my. Violet, and that would not have been useful at all. Oh, Actually, no. she couldn't have been because Violet's in trouble, but yeah, it would have been not helpful. No, she's been having elevator therapy with Sheldon for like two seasons now, but... Right. Yeah, what's your first Addison note? So first of all, great for her going to therapy and, you know, taking that step to make a change in her life. Uh, mm-hmm. And along with that, right out of the gate, it's so interesting to see in that same vein, how attitudes toward mental health have changed since 2011. Even Mm -hmm. though she's open to therapy, and like we said, she probably doesn't have depression, she immediately talks about how resistant she is to the possibility of even being diagnosed with it, right? And I think nowadays, people would be, tend to be more open to the possibility of having those issues, being open about them, and treating them appropriately. And of course, more so in a big city, more so with younger, you know, Gen Z especially. They love therapy. But <laughs> it's just interesting to see there, despite the openness, there is that little bit of resistance at the same time. And I think it's awesome that they showed her in therapy, especially. I think it's just great, especially in that era. Yeah, I had the same thought. It it came from a few places. Like for me, it was so strange for me to see Addison vulnerable in this way that she is mm-hmm. in therapy. Like progressively as she gets more comfortable with this practitioner, like she gets more and more vulnerable because we're used to seeing her either be super strong, like important attending double board certified, you know, or just totally broken down emotionally as we were just talking about in recent grays or, you know, telling Derek, like, I am your wife, stay with me. But in this in-between place is so interesting to see. And I'm really glad that they wrote it in, especially because as you were saying, like, even four seasons ago in the writing and general consciousness at the time, therapy was quote unquote, very, very big quotes, only for crazy people and seeing that changing in real time and seeing her open to the possibility of, you know, talking out her emotions and seeking assistance for what is going on. Cause she's had a lot happen to her this season and as like in her life, of course, is just really cool. I think that her saying her, her fighting that depression diagnosis does have to do with the time but also I think has to do with her education and having been in medical school. Oh, true. And She's of course, a yeah, depression can manifest in many ways, but I think she knows the disease and herself well enough to say, this isn't what's going on here. I just need a guide. That's a great point. In the therapy sequence, I also like, Just as a general note for life as a whole, acknowledging that she has a great career but doesn't feel satisfied in her personal life. Um, Yeah. Always a great reminder. Work-life balance is so important. It's easy to forget in this country built on hustle culture where you go out Mm -hmm. in the world and all anybody ever does is talk about their jobs, their promotions, their side hustles, their raises, their audition, their job interview. It's all you ever hear about, right? So it's just so refreshing. You're like, great. She knows she has a great career. But what about that life? You got to fit your career inside your life, not your life inside your career. Um, And I think just exactly having that sentence as a reminder was so lovely. Yeah, especially in 2011. Mm -hmm. Even more so now. It's worse now than it was then, the hustle culture. Exactly. But 
I don't even think I heard the term work-life balance until like 2015, 16. Really? I don't think so. Oh, I feel like I heard it growing up. And then people, the older I get, the more people have shifted away from it. But that might also be in, be me living in New York City instead of in a small town in the South, right? Yeah. But. I, I mean, I uh, think that people had more of a work-life balance when we were growing up because now. It was easier you know, to. Yeah, I mean, we forget, like, when we were growing up, like, our parents didn't have their work emails on their phones. We had dial-up internet, if that. Mm -hmm. And now you can't, like, you can get an email at 10 p.m. and they'll expect a response, which, you know, that's why you have to have boundaries. Exactly. I'm in the grocery store right now. I was thrilled to see the Yale sweatshirt. Bringing it back. Yes. (laughs) And then it made me think, wow, that's what I look like when I go to the grocery store. I I try to strike a balance in the middle of that Yale sweatshirt and that red dress. I try to strike a balance yeah. in the middle, depending on weather, of course. <laughs> right. I pre-order my groceries, and so I'm not even in there long enough to think about what I'm wearing. Gotcha. Gotcha. I do – they're not a sponsor, but I do Imperfect Foods every two weeks for my, mm-hmm. like, produce and the pantry staples. And then I do Trader Joe's on those off weeks for the other stuff and the frozen food. Yeah. For the most part. I thought yeah. having their initial flirtation in the grocery store is very Shondaland, but also it was just weird who would ever flirt with somebody in a grocery store? It is the most stressful store to be in. Get me in and out. No interaction other than a cashier, please. Like I was cringing the and entire like, and time. And that outfit, like, she looks like a mess at that moment. Why would you think that's a good moment to make that change or a good place? Oh, I, I, it's interesting this, TV, but very unrealistic. The scene reminded me of two things, right? The pineapple guy's... Facial hair reminded me of Mark and that, like, goatee. Not the good Mark facial hair, but just Mark facial hair, period. And also, in the first few episodes of this series, when Violet ran into her ex-fiance and his new girlfriend wife in the grocery store, Cammie. I forgot about that. Yeah, right? So it reminded me of those two things of sort of – because thankfully it's not, but this could be the series finale, right? The way that they're kind of tying up all of their loose ends besides Amelia, of course, and a few other things. But the way that they're tying up their loose ends, this could be the end of it all. So to bring back that episode one grocery store looking a mess in a sweatshirt – not that you have to look a mess in a sweatshirt because I love a sweatshirt. I love it so much. It Harkening back to the pilot, yeah, just bringing that in. Yeah. Their whole fir- series of first dates is a little extreme to me as a whole. Not learning each other's names, not learning each other's histories before even kissing is just, it's next level wild. Why don't they tell each other who they are? Why would they go on a trip together? Like, agree to go on a trip together before even learning their names. I said Wild. going to Fiji and she doesn't even know his name. A millennial could never. No. Oh, my gosh. Like, 
I, I, I don't know if it's true crime nowadays or just like the general consciousness that we have about predators, but like, lady, you're too smart for this. And not that Pineapple Guy has any ill intent, but like, know his name. I share my location with like five people. <laughs> like, come on, girl. Ugh. Yeah, I was cringing the whole grocery store scene. And then the dress she wears to the grocery store, that red dress the second time around and dinner or coffee or whatever it is, is so tight even for this show. Oh, and yeah. And when, when they're in the grocery store, I saw her mic pack attached to the back of her bra. Did you catch that? <laughs> I didn't. Like, come on. But when you're wearing a dress that tight, like, what are you supposed to do? You can't really rely on a boom. Right. It's so weird that they don't know each other's names. She's certainly making a change. <laughs> a weird one, but going for it. <laughs> she's, you know, she's committed. She, a change of things she can. I'm towards the end of the episode now. Because I don't, I don't have that much more to say about Pineapple Guy. Yeah. I don't either. I'm yeah. out of Addison notes. Yeah, Sam and Addison on their balconies when you think they're going to miss each other and then they come together. I love Mark Tinker's directing. It is something else. It is beautiful. At 25 minutes and 31 seconds, the dress that Addison is wearing, it's the one that she closes the episode in mostly where she's on the date well no that's a lie she doesn't close the episode in she closes that night in when she's going on the date and they decide to go to Fiji to Fiji to Fiji closes that night decides to go to Fiji 25 minutes 31 seconds the dress she's wearing I feel like it either needed to be strapless or have another color strap because the beige of the strap does not match the beige in the pattern and it's really bothering me and I like couldn't focus on anything else and that might be a me problem yeah I don't notice I'm not a clothing person at all (laughs) Addison has so many hairstyles in this episode I noticed it more than usual I think time passed time passed more than it normally does and we did a little bit of you know hopping back and forth in time at the end but there were so many hairstyles Mm. At the end, this is my last Addison note, when Sam and Addison are in bed together, first of all, awful idea. And not just because I'm not a huge fan of their relationship, but it's really just a terrible idea. When she says to him, love me with my baby or love me for right now, I commend her for going to therapy and I commend her for talking out these things and I commend her for making a change in her life or what we thought was going to be a change in her life. But now she's just putting off the pain. And they're going to have the same thing now or in six months, two years, as they did last month. Right. Mm. We're both just shaking our heads. Yeah. All right. Moving on to Caitlin Mills with blunt trauma and kidney injury. Again, this is our content warning for Charlotte's attack. So please look in our show notes and you can see when to come back. If you would like to skip this section. When she first comes in and we see this patient for the first time, her facial injuries look so similar to Charlotte's. And the way that Charlotte looks at her back, we're led to believe that her back is the same as well. Mm -hmm. It got me. Yeah. And it got her. Totally. Yeah. It was such... 
great acting from her and such a great way to wrap up this portion of Charlotte's storyline, I thought. Gosh, such great acting when Caitlin says she doesn't understand. She's doing fake Dr. Compassion. You can so see it in her eyes, both the acknowledgement of, yes, I do know, but not knowing exactly how to proceed without, you know, trauma dumping and making it her story. Exactly, exactly. While wanting to respect her patient's wishes, but knowing, based on her experience, what was helpful for her. Yeah, and having been in that position, she knows that saying something to her right now isn't going to do anything. Exactly. And when she's on the couch with Cooper talking about how she's not going to write a book, she can't go around telling people what happened to her, like Violet. And at the end, when she says to this patient, you're not a victim, you're a survivor, and knowing the reaction that Charlotte had to anyone around her saying victim was really powerful to me. And the fact that she didn't even have to disclose her history to Caitlin for her to understand what happened. And you could tell that this patient understood what Charlotte was trying to say without her having to say it. Oh, yeah. In that hand reach, you could – the hand reach and the eyes, you could tell everything. Said it all. Yeah. So much of this storyline was said without words, and it was beautiful. Yeah. Beautifully done. I want to see Katie Strickland do more – stage work i don't know if she's interested but i am yeah (laughs) that's all i had about this patient storyline about both of these patients caitlin and marissa i wanted i know that we had to have a patient storyline right in this season finale because it's a show about doctors but i wanted both of these storylines to have more time especially Marissa's that we're going to get to next. But I did appreciate that this second assault storyline, again, didn't have that much dialogue. You know, we didn't have to re-traumatize the audience. We didn't have to re-traumatize these characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Marissa Windsor with juvenile Crabbe's disease, seizure, and severe allergic reaction. And then Jason and Angela Windsor with talk therapy with Sheldon. What's your first note? Sure. Of course, Cooper cares enough to learn ASL for his patients. I loved that. I know. Um, I know. Of all the characters in this series, he seems the most likely to take that extra step of compassion and commu- oh, yeah. you know, learning to be able to communicate with them. And although, of course, the deafness is part of her illness, I thought it was cool to have that deaf character without the deafness being the primary focus, especially in this era was more rare. It, it almost had us learn more about Cooper's character than it did this patient. Agreed. Which I appreciate. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I looked up this disease because I had never heard of it before. And I know that there are a lot of rare diseases in the world, but I like to just educate myself on as many things as I can so that I can, you know, be knowledgeable and all that. So this was about juvenile Crabbe's disease. And it's generally called infantile Crabbe's disease. So here's what I found from the NIH, the National Institute of Health. No specific treatment for Crabbe's disease has been developed. Generally, treatment of the disorder is symptomatic and supportive. In infants, the disorder is generally fatal before age two. Individuals with later onset 
form of the disease generally have a milder course of the disease and live significantly longer. So because of that, I think that it's really important that they said she was normal, quote unquote, normal until the age of three, because Mm. it's after what would be considered infantile Crabbe's disease, but not like she developed it at age five or eight or even like a little bit older. So it is maybe a little bit milder, but not significantly milder. Right. Yeah. I I just wish we got more about this disease. And I know that that wasn't the point of the storyline, but if they're going to introduce a rare disease like this and advocate for it even minimally, I just wish that we, you know, learned about it a little bit. Me too. It felt like there was a lot crammed into this episode. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. very full. It was a finale. Yeah, and three writers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I can usually tell when episodes have more than two writers. And yeah. this, I could definitely tell. Not that it was bad, because I did really enjoy it. Just there was, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Exactly. 11 minutes and 46 seconds. Sheldon has on a lot of stripes again, as we talk about a lot. The the mismatching stripes that were so popular in this era. But he has on a blue gingham tie. It's like white in the background and then blue. And then it has these little white flowers with red centers. And it was so sweet and dapper. And it was very like 1967 or like flower power. And then I was also picturing him getting ready for work that day being like, oh, this tie has flowers. I bet Marissa would like these flowers. Yeah. Yeah. So sweet. Sheldon. I'm not sure if we've seen Cooper's scrub cap before. Do you remember seeing it before? I don't. I don't think he's ever been in a surgical room before. Like, maybe he shouldn't be. (laughs) Except for maybe, like, a baby being born. It has a navy base with green plaid, and it's cute. But also, a pediatric surgeon should be doing this procedure. Right. Like, pediatrician and pediatric surgeon are two very different things. And Mm -hmm. even if it's just inputting chemo, as they said, maybe an oncologist, maybe a pediatric oncologist, even though it's not cancer. Good point. Following the procedure, what a tough position to be in for a parent. And I thought Joshua Molina acted that struggle so well, not wanting his child or he and his wife to be in pain, but not knowing how to handle it. I was a little confused about what they wanted to do though because they keep talking about how she's now in a vegetative state so wouldn't she not be breathing on her own so wouldn't just taking off her off of life support and her life why would they need to euthanize her i think they wanted or at least the father wanted to do something where it didn't appear it didn't appear like he gave up on her got it that's sort of what i got a little bit that makes sense Yeah. It's not the first time we've dealt with a storyline like this where someone wants to end their life or wants to end someone else's life. I was there for the last one. Yeah. The Joel Grey episode. Joel Grey, yeah. Humanely end a life, but um, we haven't seen it for a while, and I thought it was an interesting situation to bring it up for. It always is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all I have on that storyline. Okay, sweet. Pete Wilder with myocardial infarction. I really mostly wrote directorial lines and quotes. Uh Uh-huh. So at the beginning, he says, 
that he ran six miles and his legs felt like lead. He's much more tired than normal. At 26 minutes and 30 seconds, Violet says, you don't look so good. And Pete says, oh, I felt better. But he's definitely like sweaty. His color's off. He seems maybe even a little bit shaky. She then feels his forehead and tries to get a pulse on his wrist. In the Pete and Violet fight, right after that, I love that their coverage, which, dear listeners, coverage is when the camera focuses in a scene on one specific person. That's called your coverage. And sometimes the other actor in the scene won't even be there, and you'll either be talking to anything from a blank wall to a stand-in to that actual person who stays for your coverage, which is the kind thing to do if you can. But I love that their coverage on both ends includes the other person's shoulder and like their head and part of their jaw because first of all, it not only puts my mind at ease that they had their scene partner to act with, like with my brain being the way that it is, but also it makes the audience feel like they're in it with them. I agree. Yeah. What do you have about Pete in this moment? I really just have one note about Pete other than, you know, all those Easter eggs of what was to come. Um, But I love when he and Violet have their fight um, and he tells her that he's done for now. Saying I love you first, I thought was just a lovely, a lovely way to show his heart in that, you know. Yeah. It's so easy in a big feud like that to be like, I'm done. But to make sure he said that was... Taking that extra step, I thought. Yeah. I love you, but right now I'm done with you. Yeah. Exactly. And that whole fight, um, since there's not a lot on that, we don't really have a specific section for that. I also think Violet going on tour right now is a horrible idea. Oh, but yeah. I do appreciate, as flawed as she is, her strength in asking Pete to stand with her for a moment um, and then sticking to her ground before Pete says his goodbye for the moment. I love that from her. That's like the first time we've seen her actually be a therapist in a long time and like use her knowledge to communicate Truly. authentically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that last bye-bye that she says to Lucas while she's looking at Pete with the heartbroken eyes. Oh, heartbreaking. Ugh. Beautiful acting, Amy Brenneman. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. And and the way that Pete is barely like can't even look at her, mm-hmm. but you can tell he's – he might be a little bit mad, but he is more hurt than mad. And I thought that was exactly. really powerful. Agreed. Yeah. Anything else about Pete? Nope. Amelia's addiction. What's your first note? I didn't take any notes on Amelia. It just didn't come okay. up. So if you want to okay. do this, we'll say. Yeah, that's fine. I have a lot on the next section. Same, same. Cool. Charlotte is trying so hard to have Amelia go to a meeting. I, I do believe that she really did mean that she could use one too because of her patient in this episode, but she sees that her friend is hurting and also needs to go. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that says to me more about Charlotte than it does about Amelia in this moment. Now what Amelia says back, which is, I have a mother. She's a good one. I couldn't help but wonder. She would not say the same thing today. And I wonder what changed. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, Amelia does not like her mom. She doesn't get along with her mom. She said in this most recent 
Gray's episode, I think God felt bad when he gave me these three sisters so that huh. he gave me Addison and Meredith and Maggie. Then I was getting in the in the television brain and like the actually like writing a show brain and thinking at this point we've met Tyne Daly once. Right. It's Tyne Daly. Tim mm-hmm. Daly. It's Pete's sister, sister playing Amelia's mom. We've met her once on Grey's Anatomy with Derek and Meredith. We haven't seen Mrs. Shepherd be Amelia's mother. We've only seen Mrs. Shepherd be Derek's mother, which we have come to believe are two very different things. Right. And it could also just be, even if they, you know, even if they did know what that relationship was at that point as writers, it could just be her way of deflecting from Charlotte. You know, I'm. it is a way of deflecting from Charlotte, but Charlotte doesn't necessarily need to know that either or could, might not know. I'm rambling now. Oof. God. No, I no, I, I, I know what, what I'm mean. saying. I'm just not clear. Yeah. She could have said something a lot more hurtful and this is what she chose to show. This right. is what she chose to stay instead, which shows right. where she is, where she mm-hmm. is mentally. Exactly. Just noting that Amelia operated after drinking. She said she's not drunk, but she still operated after drinking. But before operating, she tried to call Charlotte, and Charlotte didn't pick up. And not that that is on Charlotte Mm. at all, but just showing that Amelia tried to reach out, maybe not in a useful way, let's say. Mm -hmm. Um, But she tried, but she still operated. And then Charlotte figured it out, and Amelia's surgical privileges are revoked. We're going to keep an eye on that. At the end, we see Amelia at the bar and she has very curly hair and it looks real cute but i'm like "Mm, i don't think i'm supposed to think that (laughs) (laughs) nope on to the not so private practice take it away take it away right it's been a long time coming right yikes at least they are acknowledging that their collaborative nature breaks a lot of rules right finally at least they're saying something about it But of course, this was inevitable from the way things have gone since the very beginning of the series. Inevitable. Definitely a big moment. And I like, again, it does feel almost like it could be a finale with that Mm -hmm. finally coming to a head. Naomi says that the original idea of Oceanside Wellness was doctors working cooperatively, doing everything they can to help their patients, sharing ideas, debating cases. Which sounds great. And again makes me wonder there's like a million forms that you have to fill out to see uh, to join a practice to see a doctor is one of them not i agree to be treated by every doctor in this co-op like i agree not my case will be discussed by everyone in this office but like it seems to me in a practice such as this where you're going because of the cooperative and collaborative nature that if they do have this lawyer that they say they have who we've never met, right, they would have <laughs> covered their butt. Who knows? I wouldn't put it past them to slip up on that. Yeah. The guy that comes in, the medical inquisitor, Naomi taking the high road with that guy, threatening them, coming into their office and threatening them. Mm-hmm. The way that she just tried to take the high road was so sweet, but it was so hard to watch. Right. But also smart, because if you're just going to fight with this person Uh coming in, like Sam tries to do, 
that of course makes their chances of having a good of course of course even lower the guy just really grinds my gears and i was writing that note and i was like are my listeners going to laugh at me for saying grinds my gears that's a pretty common phrase yeah he grinds my gears he's so he thinks that he's so superior and smart and he comes into their office without even a hint of a presumption of innocence. And I know that he's already interviewed some of them, so he thinks he knows what's going on. It makes me want him to, like, have something happen to him and need their help and see what happens. Oh, yeah, that would have been a fun take on that. Yeah. Like, he comes in to yell at them, and then he has, like, an anaphylactic reaction. Right. That would have been nice. That would be classic, classic Grey's, right? Oh, when they say how they're going to combat it and if it's medical versus debated each other for sport. I was like, oh, my God. Because it never has been that. Right. It's been somewhere in between sometimes, of course. Yeah. But it's never been – like when Christina was on, she was like, I don't want my doctors talking about how fat I am. Like I don't want my doctors being like, oh, well, if she loses 50 pounds, like that'll just do it. But it wasn't that. It was Addison looking at it from – the reproductive end, Sheldon looking at it from the brain end, you know, Pete looking at it with, oh, maybe I can try acupuncture. It was always someone somewhere in the middle. And I get why this had to happen. And yes, like they're, they need an HR department and they need to fix how they're doing things. But I don't think they've ever debated each other for sport. No. And it's interesting, kind of annoying, listening to them complain about the medical board, picking them apart, letting them do it. When yes, like, of course, they were built to be cooperative, but they also acknowledge they broke the rules. So, like, grow up and find a solution rather than, you know, arguing about them picking them apart, you know? Yeah. And thankfully, they eventually come to that, but it was not my favorite moment. No. After, like, like yes, characters should be flawed. It was kind of annoying. So much <laughs> debate and so much. Again, like, there was just so much going on. Yeah, there really was. Yeah. When Pete and Violet are sitting in that room and Violet's talking about how she needs to go on this book tour and all this stuff. And then I could see Amy Brennan herself coming through when she goes, dark mommy with a drink in her hand. <laughs> I laughed out loud. <laughs> Such a good line. Yeah. I was really glad to know that we're going to, and you might not feel the same way, to know that this three-week book tour is going to be during hiatus. I was like, yes, we don't have to see it. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I thought like as much as the Violet going on that tour is a terrible idea. Yeah. So I don't really need to see that either. No, like she should be laying low while this plays out. Exactly. And being available in case they need her as part of the investigation. Exactly. Exactly. Because you know? dear listeners. She has a duty. She's the whole reason it's happening. Right. Dear listeners, Skype existed, which was like Zoom. But you. I'm surprised it didn't have a big. I know moment right skype for zoom skype really yeah lost its momentum there when zoom took over but you couldn't just like hop on a call you couldn't just like hop on microsoft teams or like get on a facetime you had to be there or maybe you could call in on your phone but something tells me that with the judicious nature of this that a phone call isn't gonna cut it yeah what did you think about um and we're gonna get into what you've thought about these past seasons in a bit, but we've been talking a bit about how Pete and Cooper see Violet the same way, but so differently. And like how Cooper maybe understands Violet f- more fully than Pete does. 
So when they're working on Marissa and Pete says, this is such a bad idea. How can she not see that? And Cooper says, because she's Violet. Really just hammered that home for me. Agreed. It does. Yeah. He gets her. Yeah. So let's say that they do dissolve this practice, right? And they all go their separate ways. I feel like they're all just going to get hired at St. Ambrose. And then it's St. Ambrose's problem. And then they get investigated. Like, they're not all going to go to different practices. That's just not realistic. I mean, not that any of this is realistic, but, like, they're not all going to, like, start different practices. Maybe, like, one or two of them could have a private practice on their own. And then they'll probably hire one of the other ones to join them. Exactly. They're not going to... go back to their same old stuff. Yeah. They're not going to totally split ways. I just see this becoming St. Ambrose's problem. Oh, exactly. Their lives are so intertwined in every single aspect that I don't see any world in which at least, you know, they weren't each paired up with at least one professional. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Did I miss something when Amelia and Sheldon were partners in this co-op? I don't know. I haven't watched the other episodes in a while. Okay. So I might, I don't remember. Yeah, so you are mostly caught up now also. Yeah, I've seen the full series now, but it was probably like summer 2021. Yeah. So it was a while ago. So it's been like almost two years. Yeah. I feel like I remember Amelia giving Addison like a check or something and like buying in in one of Amelia's first episodes. But I didn't think that meant that she was a partner. So I was just a little confused why Amelia and Sheldon were in those big meetings as well. Yeah. My last note about this section is change for the better. That's what I think Addison says. That would make sense with their whole therapy journey in the episode yeah that phrase yeah change there's just a lot about change yeah Yeah. it's the theme of the episode exactly do you have any more for not so private practice i don't do you no that's all i got great so let's move on our final section is miscellaneous which includes of course the great audra mcdonald's exit as a series regular I actually, just this past week, a Time interview with Audra McDonald came out where she talks about leaving private practice, <gasps> actually. Did you read that? No! She talks, She's talking about that balance of motherhood and work, and they asked her if she had ever like felt like she needed to leave a job or turn something down for that, and she talks about leaving private practice. Mm-hmm. She and her, her former husband were getting divorced. She was doing private practice in L.A. while her daughter was staying on the East Coast with her ex-husband, and she was flying back and forth on the weekends. And after four seasons, it was just getting to be too much. So I'm going to read a little quote here. Thank you. She says, so I had to ask Shonda Rhimes to let me go. I had to go home. And Shonda understood. She was lovely about the way she wrote me out of the show. She made it a point to say that my character was going to New York to be with her daughter, and she made it about a motherhood choice that she was making. And I thought that was very beautiful. And I liked that sort of sisterhood that Shonda put in there. I was always so grateful to her for that. What a perfect, now, especially knowing that, what a perfect exit for that character. Yeah. Um, Because that's exactly the same choice Audra's making. Audra and Naomi. Yeah. Now, I love that. we will see her again, but it will be a while. Right. Yeah. And as a guest star. Yeah. All of Naomi's lasts in this episode are so emotional. Her last time stress eating with Addison. Mm-hmm. Such a beautiful moment of friendship. Um, both that and the final scene in the airport. Seeing Addison support her after all the drama they've been through. 
seeing Sam say goodbye and encourage her to go after her new love, Fife, after all they went through. It was just, ugh, it made me cry. It was lovely. It was a really good exit. The way that ugh, Naomi looks back at Addison while Fife is proposing, it was beautiful. It's just beautiful. So let's cover Naomi first in our miscellaneous. Cool. Yeah. I'm glad we got to see Betsy. Me too. Yeah. She said, you're my mom now, forever and ever. And I said, oh, Betsy, sweet lady. We have official confirmation at this point in the episode that Fife is moving to D.C. and breaking up with Nay. And when Fife says, nice knowing you, Naomi. And then he just leaves. But then we find out he realized she was going to come after him. Or at least he had like. The nerve to think it was a possibility so he didn't even get on the plane. He knew it wasn't going to be goodbye. Yeah. He knew it. I love that. I know that they're both like in a much different financial situation than I am. But I would never dream of missing a flight on purpose. So like I'm wondering if he said he was on that flight. But really he was on the flight after that. So like that's just not. You'd have to have a flight to somewhere to get through that point. Yes. Yes. We are in 2011. Or maybe he just bought like a cheap like Spirit Airlines ticket somewhere. Yeah. That didn't matter. Right. Yeah, exactly. Just to get there. Exactly. For the drama. I, again, love Naomi's addiction to chocolate. But in this Mm. episode where she's eating from the chocolate box, it made me realize that Naomi's sugar tolerance is so much higher than mine. Like, I can't eat more than one or two pieces without feeling, like, super jittery and sugary. Uh, I have a high sugar tolerance, too. Oh, no. I could eat, like, an entire basket of fries and be fine and i know that the fries turn into sugar as well but like more than two pieces of chocolate from one of those boxes and i am like shaking getting a headache like ah. yeah <laughs> i love that sam ships fife and naomi as well and he says to mm-hmm. her you're making excuses not to be loved and honestly after what sam did to naomi saying mm, I need my space. I want to see who else I want to be with and like divorcing her. That might be part of why I don't love Sam is just because of how we were introduced to his character and how he dissolved that marriage. That might be part of it as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not that Naomi needed Sam's permission to go and be with Fife, but if that's what it took for to make her feel more comfortable, wonderful. And he did it really sweetly. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was a sweet move on his part, regardless of whether or not it needed to happen. It was kind of him. Yeah. yeah. And a nice bow on their relationship. Yeah. Fife says, I knew you'd come rushing back to me. And then as we talked about looking at Addison while he's proposing, not that your proposal should be anything between besides being between you and your partner, but just what they have been through these past few seasons, it meant a lot. Agreed. Anything more for Nay? Not really. That's all I have on her. Okay, yeah. I was like, this isn't quite enough to be a full section, but yeah. yeah. The time article stretched it out. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. At five minutes and seven seconds, those conference room chairs look so comfortable. Did you clock that? I didn't. Oh my gosh, they're like wide back, which I love, like wide arms. I just love feeling like I'm on a throne. When I'm in uh-huh. a, a desk chair. It's real cute. What's your first miscellaneous note? Why is everyone at the airport at the same time? 
that's so wild that they'd all happen to be there waiting for their separate flights all together, you know? In the same terminal what, with how big LAX is. There's, right. Because there's Addison going off to Fiji. Yeah. There's Naomi chasing after Fife. And there was somebody else, right? Violet was going on her book tour. We don't know where. And Violet going on her book tour. All at the same time in the same terminal. That was just wild to me. Again, three writers. There are a few airports much closer to Santa Monica than LAX. So it would have made more sense if it was at a smaller airport. Right. But I feel like but it was still, supposed to be. For them all to be waiting at the exact same time. I know. Seems a little far-fetched. Yeah. Makes for a good finale. It does. I love airport scenes. I just love airport scenes. <laughs> Charlotte and Cooper on the couch is so cute. I know I touched on it before when talking about, you know, how Charlotte is not like Violet and she can't just put her life out there. But I also just wanted to clock that she is wearing those Peggy Lee earrings that I also now have. And I'm going to my cousin's wedding next weekend and I'm going to wear them. Yes. So, um, Abby, if you're listening, I'm wearing famous earrings to your wedding. She's not listening. I don't even think she knows I have a podcast. But I'll tell her. (laughs) (laughs) My last note is just, again, Naomi and Addison at the airport. I'm crying. Like, I as we talked about when Melody was on much earlier in the season, female friendships really are the core of Shondaland, in my opinion. And having Naomi and Addison essentially spend, like, two seasons plus fighting over a man was so hard to watch and really the only thing that got me through this watch was knowing that this was coming and knowing that they were going to make up i just hope that they i want to see them now like i want naomi well naomi would never go in the prt with addison because she's obviously very against that but i want i really wanted like Something with Naomi in this Grey's thing. Maybe next time she's on. Maybe. Maybe. Do you have any more notes? I don't. Hey, Sam. Yeah. What's your style? Oh, my gosh. It's 2021 again. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That really was just like a throwback for my brain. Okay. So in the beginning of the episode, Addison is wearing this because she wore a gazillion outfits in this episode along with her bazillion hairstyles so addison's wearing a peach shirt it's kind of like not quite beige not quite peach like in the middle there and it has a very voluminous turtleneck type feel with the neck and high shoulders but in a turtleneck feel if that makes sense while still being sleeveless and the material almost looks kind of spongy like a scuba suit And Mm. I just thought it was really beautiful and perfect. I did almost give it to that Sheldon tie. And I know that I just recently gave the Sam style to Addison, but I couldn't get this shirt out of my mind. Yeah, it's a good one. Thank you. Can you tell me about our guest star spotlight? Our guest star spotlight is Joshua Molina, who played the role of Jason Windsor in this episode. So Joshua Molina was born in New York City and raised in New Rochelle, right up the river. He studied theater at Yale. Featured in this episode. Yes. Spreadshirt, right? And then he made his Broadway debut in A Few Good Men in 1989. This show was written by Aaron Sorkin, who he's since worked with many times. And he also performed the Heimlich Maneuver on him. Um, <gasps> that I didn't after know. His broad- I know. He jokes that that's why he gets to keep working with him. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> indebted for his life. 
Yes. Joshua Molina then made his on-screen debut in the film adaptation of A Few Good Men. So sticking with the Aaron Sorkin world, doing that same story. He later starred on Aaron Sorkin's television show Sports Night from 1998 through 2000, and then later played the role of Will Bailey on seasons four through seven of The West Wing, also Aaron Sorkin's show. Um, That's one of the roles he's best known for. And actually, many people say that one of the reasons Sports Night didn't take off was because it was competing with the West Wing. Yeah. So good for him continuing his journey, even though his first show did not. In the world of Shonda, in addition to appearing in this episode of Private Practice, he guest starred on a season five episode of Grey's Anatomy and played David Rosen on all seven seasons of Scandal. Recurring guest star in season one, series regular from season two onward. He's also guest starred and recurred on many other major shows, um, including Big Shots, iCarly, CSI, Bones, American Horror Story, Law & Order SVU, Shameless, and several episodes of The Big Bang Theory. He's married to costume designer Melissa Merwin, and they have two children together. If you're in New York City, you can currently see him starring in Leopoldstadt on Broadway, now through July. I didn't know he was in that. He just started last month replacing the actor from Elf. Oh, okay. That makes sense. He also has a podcast called The West Wing Weekly where they go through every episode of The West Wing. Mm. And it was – I mean, it's been over now for a few years, but it's a great one. Highly suggest. He's a busy guy. Yeah. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Season 4, episode 22 trivia we're going to do a la – classic bhab so take it away jackson all right this episode scored 7.45 million viewers it's pretty good for this season yeah this episode's title originated from the serenity prayer and the serenity prayer has been adopted by alcoholics anonymous so it's most likely a reference to amelia starting to drink again and i'd say also to charlotte because she literally says it on the couch oh yeah (laughs) right I'm telling you, the Grey's Wiki, they're slacking this episode. Yeah. This episode marks the last episode in which Audra McDonald is credited as a main cast member. Yes. And this episode, as we mentioned, features a guest appearance by Joshua Molina, who plays David Rosen on Shonda Rhimes' other TV show, Scandal. Joshua Molina, our guest star spotlight for this episode, who plays Jason Windsor, also plays Seth Hammer in an episode of Grey's Anatomy. This is season five. His wife is a hypochondriac. She thinks that a pimple is a staph infection. And they're like, the only way to fix you is to get a fecal transplant. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, what? It's a good, it's a really funny one. Yeah. So there's more trivia on the Gray's Wiki site, but they are spoilers. So I know that some of our dear listeners look at the Gray's Wiki to either like see the faces or catch up if they're not necessarily watching along with us. But approach with caution if you are not, you know, finished with private practice, um, approach with caution. And this episode, I was watching it last night and I was like, this is a lot going on here it feels like there's a lot going on over at Grey's Anatomy as well but this is the unaccompanied minor finale which is the seventh season finale Mm. which you know is not one of the big ones that we think about yeah it's where um, Meredith's dishonesty in the clinical trial comes to light Mm. and yeah it's I thought it was maybe the shooting episode but it's not it's season seven Huh. Yeah. Wow. 
So because this is Naomi's last episode as a main character, we're going to do our Naomi trivia spotlight here as well. And Del was done. Del RIP was deceased before we started this little spotlight in the trivia. So we're going to do him today as well. So we're going to start with Naomi. Naomi is Catholic. She loves cake, particularly cheesecake. Yum. She hates Pilates. She does the crossword in the newspaper in pen because she rarely makes mistakes in them. Bold. Despite having two board certifications in OBGYN and REI, she has never been referred to as double board certified. As both certifications are issued by the same board, board certification in OBGYN is required to obtain a board certification in REI as an OBGYN subspecialty. This is likely the reason why she is not referred to as double board certified. Interesting. Very, very interesting. She owned 55% of the practice. I think that is pertaining to before everybody else comes in. I think so too. Yeah. And lastly, as we know, she eats her feelings as her way of coping with hard problems and emotions. Love you, Naomi. Love you, Nay. All right. Shall we move on to Dell? Yeah, our Dell spotlight. Missing him one whole season without him. He hated wearing pink scrubs. He also had a scar from when a patient threw a coffee cup at his head. Yikes. Oof. He was only 25 when he died. He was the only adult main character of either Grey's Anatomy or Private Practice who wasn't a doctor. Interesting. There are a lot of characters on Grey's. Adele must be... Adele wasn't a main character then. No, she was recurring. There are a lot of recurring characters on Grey's Anatomy who aren't doctors. Yeah, okay, But I guess all the series regulars have been. Yeah. Wow. Adele had a personalized scrub cap, which was outer space themed. Cute. So Jackson's jukebox, back at mm-hmm. it. So we're not gonna we're not gonna muse as we say on the future because you already know. But we're gonna talk about you know right. some of the things that we've covered this season and some things we've gone over in the past. Cool. So thinking back again, like I was mentioning, it's been almost two years since I watched the full series. Um, but watching this episode did actually bring back a lot of memories of moments that have happened more actually of what's to come rather than what has happened, but that as well. And I remembered, you know, my favorite moments of this television show happened shortly after I left, um, was the whole Katie Kent Violet plot line. It is so horrifying, but gosh, what great television it is. Mm-hmm. Seeing Katie go from, you know, the mental health patient to pregnant to losing the baby um, and then rising to the point where she actually comes to Violet's home, cuts her open and kidnaps her baby. Um, it's just thrilling. And then the terror of the moment itself. It's like a horror film, that episode. It is so scary and ooh, so squirmy just watching. Ooh, it's... Yeah thrilling television horrifying but thrilling and then seeing violet's aftermath right having her trouble connecting with her child the fear when the doorbell rings writing to try to heal her trauma even though publishing it was not the best you know (laughs) best follow-up for that uh was just a very engrossing engrossing storyline of that trauma that followed um i just love that 
I have been really interested to get your takes on Violet. I haven't texted you about it because I had the feeling you were going to be back one of these days. Right. And yeah, yeah, because we've had quite a lot of not so nice things to say about your girl. Right. I know she goes through a lot and, you know, that brings out a lot of sides of you. Just because she's not perfect doesn't make her a great character. Because great characters are flawed and they don't glorify anything wrong that she does. Right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I don't have a problem with her not being perfect. I think she's great television. That is true. That is true. I think it's more the way that we are deep diving this show. Right. And looking at it through a modern lens as well. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of like, you know, trauma dumping and inappropriate everything. Yeah. Right. But also that feels like, you know, not far-fetched after what she's gone through. True. You know, having those reactions. Again, doesn't make her a great person, but it feels natural to me at least. Yeah. Oh my goodness. We didn't even touch on this when Pete and Violet are having that fight and she's like, this book is the one good thing that came out of what happened to me. And Pete goes, Lucas is the one good thing that came out of what happened to you. That got me too. We talk about, you and I, as human beings, talk about relationships a lot. So how did you feel about the way that Addison handled the Sam relationship with Naomi? I don't think she should have ever had anything with Sam. You know, they were friends. Yeah. It was not cool of her to pursue Sam at all. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm confirmation i just wanted that confirmation that yeah okay cool besides the violet labor as we'll say Mm -hmm. do you have a favorite storyline that one stuck out with me by far the most nothing else is coming to mind is like a favorite yeah okay okay we have i i was planning our season five schedule earlier this week and whoever is in charge of the gray's wiki Really love season five. Like there is a shot by shot, play by play breakdown of all of those plots in the Grey's Wiki. Whoa. It was a lot. Like I was scrolling down to see the yeah. characters to remind me and I was like, wow, like there's a novel in here. Yeah. Thank you for jukeboxing for us. Of course. On to ratings and MVPs. I want to hear who your MVP is. My MVP is Naomi. Had to give it to her on this week. And I thought she deserved it as well. I loved seeing her choose her happiness while also making sure the other people in her life are taken care of, right? Like she's going to go be with Fife, but she's going to bring Betsy. And she's going to go with Fife to a place where she can support her daughter and granddaughter as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought it was such a lovely finale for her. She seems like a good person. Yeah. And I was happy for her. What's who's your MVP? Well, before we get there, I just thought it was very interesting that Betsy was going to call Naomi mommy. Yeah. That was interesting to me. It makes me really worried for Betsy's future that she's just like calling all these people mommy. Not in the way of like, you know, because some people when they idolize celebrities, they're like, oh, mommy, mommy. But that's not what's happening here. It's like, you know, I mean, she lost both of her parents at a very young age, both in very horrific circumstances. And she's latching on to anyone who's taking care of her, like, fully. So that makes me worried. Yeah. Yeah. My MVP is Charlotte for trying – Thank you. For trying to help Amelia, her patient, the practice, and Cooper, 
all while trying to help herself stay stable and to bring the beach into it above water in the face of truly extraordinary circumstances. And although I was confused by the timing of these episodes, I'd say it's all within a few weeks or a month. Yeah. So this is a lot to happen. And we're not even seeing everything, you know? Right. Yeah. What's your rating? My rating is a sandstorm on the beach. Ooh. It's intense. Is you know, a lot of things coming to a head. A lot going on, period. Um, Have you ever seen a sandstorm, Sam? I have not. I did once. Oh, my gosh. I went to an event um, in the Outer Banks of the Carolinas back when I was a kid. And one day there was a sandstorm on the beach. You couldn't even get near the beach. It was so wild out there. Just like sand. You couldn't even see because sand was flying everywhere. Look like mini tornadoes? Not so much a tornado, just like everywhere. Wow. It was hardcore. Just very high winds and a lot of sand flying around. It felt like that. That'd be painful too. Ouch. Oh yeah. yeah. That's why you can't go outside. Yeah. What's your rating? So my rating is struggling for air. And last week I had a like finding finding the top of the water when you're drowning. And I didn't feel like it was drowning this time. I felt like it was more like an asthma attack on the beach. And, like, you're not near a hospital. You have your inhaler, maybe. But, like, depending on how severe your asthma is, like, you maybe don't bring it to the beach. And I feel like that applied to our patients and some of our doctors. If you're struggling for air. And when you can't breathe, like, that's really scary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dear listeners, we made it to the end of season four. We did. We have two more seasons to go. I planned out all of season five this week. We have some co-hosts you know and love. We have some new co-hosts. And I can't wait to share it with you. Thank you for being here. This was so fun. Of course. Happy to be. Yeah. It was. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at BHAB Podcast and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor to be the first to hear future episodes. You can find me at Samantha G. Harris on most social media. <laughs> and you can follow me on Instagram at all.that.jacks. If you'd like to support Beach Houses and Babies, please consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and sharing with a friend. It really helps people learn about the show and we might read your review on the podcast. You can also become a member of our Patreon community at patreon.com slash B-H-A-B podcast. On our next episode, we'll be discussing Private Practice Season 5, Episode 1. They're available to stream on Hulu and can be purchased on iTunes, Amazon, DVD, and more. If you have thoughts you'd like to share with us on these episodes, please DM us on Instagram at bhabpodcast or email us at bhabpodcast at gmail.com to be featured on our listener mail segment. Thanks for listening. BHAB Podcast will be back in two weeks. TGIT. Bye. Bye.